0: So every Saturday for the last several weeks, we've been sharing some of the best stories told live on stage during our Story Slam series produced with the Academy of Music. You've heard stories about family drama, the open road, getting busted. And for our very last episode, we head to New City Brewery in East Hampton where folks had a lot to say about dating. The good, the bad, and the ones that begin with a swipe. I'm Vanessa Cirillo, this is Valley Voices Radio from New England Public Media, and today's theme is Love Me Tinder. I think it's safe to say that a lot of us have been here before, scouring profiles for cat people, tall, dark, and handsome vegans, people who at least appear not to be axe murderers, or worse, co-workers. My kids asked me recently, didn't daddy find you on a website? And they were kinda right he did. More on that later, but first, we'll hear from Sarah's sweet Rabidou Kelsey, who had to scroll through a lot of frogs to find her prints. And by frogs, I mean photos of male body parts. And by prints, I mean a Red Sox fan. Heads up, this one's probably not with kiddos.
1: I click on the first few posts in Men Seeking Women on Craigslist, and it's all pretty much pictures of penises. Now, I'm more of a face gal myself, (laughs) so I'm gonna keep scrolling, but now I'm only gonna click on posts with good titles. I mean, it's late, I should be sleeping, but I just keep scrolling past all the sugar daddies this and no strings attached that until I see the title, Yankees tickets and a toaster. Now, I don't want Yankees tickets, just to be clear. I am from Boston, and I like the Red Sox. But, toast is my favorite food, and I don't have a toaster in my new apartment in Brooklyn. I've had a rough time since moving to Brooklyn. I had a terrible falling out with my very best friend, and every date I've gone on has been weird or gross or both. The last guy I went out with wanted us to both wear licorice underpants. I figure whatever Yankees tickets and a toaster is, it can't be as weird as that. And so I click. I'm happy to not see a forlorn wiener dangling over a nest of computer cords, but instead a brand new toaster. The ad is straightforward. This guy is looking for that lover of baseball and toasted bread products to go with him to one of the last four games to be played at Yankee Stadium before they tear it down. He's never been. Plus, he's a Red Sox fan coming down from Boston. He says the best reply will win the ticket and the toaster. The game is tomorrow. Now, I don't know who wrote this ad, but they wrote it for me. (laughs) To me, I am that lover of baseball and toasted bread products. Plus, I am homesick for anything Boston, even a stranger. So I have no choice but to reply. I add the basic stats, Red Sox fan, love toast, don't have a toaster, 5'7 athletic, and free tomorrow, which is now technically tonight. I attach a picture of myself, hit send and go to sleep. In the morning, I check my e- well I check the fake email that I made up last night and there's a message from him. It says that I'm the winner and to meet him in front of Grand Central Station. Waiting for him there, I'm kind of going back and forth between blind date butterflies. And the stark realization that meeting a stranger from the internet in front of a train station is the beginning to more than one episode of Law & Order. I mean, I could just buy a toaster. But suddenly there's this smiling face in front of me. He's picked me out because I'm wearing the Red Sox hat. And it's a nice face. I'm not really getting a Law & Order vibe from him. So we jump on the number four train and head to the Bronx. We talk and laugh the whole nine innings. We have a lot more in common than toast and baseball, and it doesn't really seem like a first date at all. We part ways at Grand Central Station, after the game, and it's not until I'm almost home that I realize I did not receive my toaster. But in the morning, there's a text message from him. He's so sorry. The toaster's in the trunk of his car that he valeted at the hotel. And I write back, like, LOL, next time, figuring there will be no next time, and I will never get my toaster. But later that night, I'm out with some friends. They're not real friends. like New York friends. And I get another text from him. And I'm surprised that I'm sort of excited about getting this text. He's still in town. It says, hey, my friend's just blew me off, what are you doing? And before I know what's what, I'm writing back, so did my friends, where should I meet you? The reply says, the Grand Hyatt in Times Square. Now my friends think it's kind of sketchy to go meet this guy at his hotel and while I do value their opinion, I won that toaster and I'm going to go get it. In the morning, After a late checkout, we go downstairs, the valet brings the car around. The guy from the internet pops the trunk and pulls out a toaster still in the box. We say goodbye, like it was nice to meet you and if you're ever in Boston, and he gets in his car and drives away. And watching him go, I have this crazy feeling like "Mm, seasickness and euphoria all at once. Like it's somehow wrong that he is driving away, going back to Boston without me. And my brain is like, whoa, you just met him. But the rest of me is like, listen, you're the one who brought us out with the licorice underpants guy. And my brain is like, that's fair. But then the rest of me has to like make sense of this feeling that I'm having. And the only thing it could be is love. I am in love with a toaster guy. And this is crazy, right? I mean, had you told me two days ago that I'd be standing in the street pining after a guy I just met on Craigslist, whose ad I happened to see in the middle of the night, an ad for Yankees tickets, and that I would reply in order to win a cheap toaster, I would have said, that's crazy. But had you told me that this guy and I would have everyone sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game at our wedding, and that we'd be making toast in that same toaster 12 years later, I would tell you that is something else. Thank you.
0: Is that sweet or what? True love without licorice underwear? I mean, they said it couldn't be done. Okay, so I said I'd share my own internet dating story, which started at a bar in Brooklyn, a totally chance encounter. But It turned out we had both grown up in Western Mass. Weird, right? The night got a little wild, forgotten credit cards, a sister who wanted to dance, and a cab that arrived just a minute too soon. It's a classic boy meets girl story, really. That series of snafus led to Boy not getting girl's number. And because he was totally and completely enthralled and couldn't see living life without me, Boy posted a note on Craigslist Miss Connections which serves an audience of over 8.3 million lonely New York City dwellers. The listing said Vanessa from Gill, which was girl's hometown. Total population, 1,400. Total numbers of Vanessa's to ever live in Gill, one. And girl saw listing, because even then she was obsessed with stories and Craigslist misconnections Connections was the perfect tiny window into so many stories. This one had a happy ending. Unfortunately, that's not the case with our next story. Angela Combest tells us about a time in her life that really sucked.
2: I was still in shock when I said to him that I was taking two things, our two cats and a shop vac. It was two weeks before my 50th birthday when my husband told me that our 20 year marriage was over. I knew a few things in that moment. I knew that my comfortable life was about to get interesting. I knew that I was going to have to move, and I knew, without him telling me, that he'd been having an affair, and with whom. What I didn't know was that in a couple of months, I was going to find myself in a parking lot in Western Massachusetts with my hand down a strange man's pants. Now, I'd agreed to go on a date with a man from New York. He had suggested the Clark, which was fantastic. I love museums. I love paintings. Perfect. We met. We walked into the first gallery, and I knew, I knew that this was not going to work. He was pointing at paintings and telling me which ones were good and which ones were not good. That wasn't good. But I was in it for the afternoon. I made the best of it, and by the end of the afternoon, I was exhausted. But he wanted to take me to dinner. Now, I'd already made plans with friends back in Northampton, so I had an out. But I also had time to kill before I had to go, and I really wanted a glass of wine. So I agreed that we could drive into Williamstown and have a drink. We took our separate cars, we parked, And I walked him into the very first bar on the street. We had our drinks and nothing changed. I still wasn't interested. And so we left. We walked out to our cars and I was two spots away from my car when I realized that he wasn't next to me anymore. And I turned around and I didn't see him. And so I walked back and I found him lying on the ground on his back between two cars with his hand across his chest. It took me a minute to figure out that he had fallen, and I knew a few things in that moment, too. I knew I was not getting back to Northampton for dinner. I knew he was going to have to somehow get himself back to Albany, and I knew that he had very likely broken his right wrist, and his car was stick shift. (laughs) I pulled up to the emergency room, and he told me that I could just drop him off, but I couldn't. I couldn't. So I told him to get in, go in, get started. I'd be in after I made a few phone calls. I walked into the waiting room, and there was no one there. I sat down, and I waited. After a while, somebody came from the back to get me, and I did not understand. I mean, I am not next of kin. I am not anything at this point. (laughs) But I went to the back, and he was sitting there with his arm propped up, and he said that... They all thought it was broken, but they still had to take him to x-ray, and he really wanted me to go to x-ray with him. Mm -mm. I'm going back out there. And then he asked again. And I realized he was still on a date, and I was not. I went back out to the waiting room. After a little while, a nurse came out, and she said... Are you Joe's wife? Uh, We were on a first date, and she just sighed, and she sat down next to me. And I looked at her, and I said, Why? What do you need? Um, Some answers to questions about him. Yeah, I don't have them, obviously. So uh, she got up, and she left. Eventually, he came out, his hand in a cast. We got in my car, I drove him back, I pulled up behind his car, and he assured me that he was gonna be able to drive, and so I said my goodbyes. And then I noticed he was struggling. He couldn't get his car keys because of the cast. And he looked at me and he said, and this is a quote, I trust you'll do the honorable thing. So I reached over, I stuck my, man, my hand in that man's pants, and I fished out his keys. Now, you know, starting over, dating again, it's been interesting, and there are days, kind of like that shop vac I brought with me, there are days that suck. Thanks.
0: Oh, Angela, that date definitely sucked. I'm sorry, and I'm so glad you told us about it, because you gotta laugh, right? This is Valley Voices Radio from New England Public Media. I'm Vanessa Cirillo, and today we're getting real about online dating. We're also getting ready to announce the themes for season eight of the Valley Voices Story Slam. Sign up at nepm.org valleyvoices, and you could be telling your story to a room full of people, which might actually be less scary than dating on the internet. That brings me to our final story from Andrew Shelfa. After a 20-year hiatus, he got back in the dating game, but things had changed, and he found online dating to be pretty terrifying. Here's how he describes it.
3: I said, Carl Walenda, the famous phenambulist, that's a tightrope walker, never let anybody who performed in his aerial troupe work with the safety net because he believed it led to bad habits and he died because of it. That's what it feels like to me. Like I'm on a tight rope 100 feet up in the air and the slightest breeze is gonna blow me off. I was on a date with a woman we'd met online and the conversation had turned to the subject of online dating itself. And she'd asked me what I thought of it and that had been my answer. I realized as soon as I ended the answer that that was a super nerdy answer. It was also true, but she looked at me like I had two heads and we never had a second date. It's true what they say, that re-entry can be a bitch. I'd taken about 20 years or so off from dating and when it was time to get back in the game, I was told by a friend that the way to do that is online. I said, okay, well, what do I do? He said, well, you gotta get out there and that means creating a profile. I said, okay, do you have any advice for me? He said, the one thing I want to tell you is be careful with your username. I said, why is that? He said, well, I used the name of my favorite bird as my username and it led to some strange interactions. I didn't know what he was talking about, and I had too many other things to, on my mind to worry about that. So I, I started out to, to make my profile, and I thought about it, I'm like, all right, well, you know, what am I going to say about myself, and, and, and what pictures am I going to use? And then once I get a profile, how am I going to know when to make that first message to somebody? And then once I start messaging someone like in the app, like, when do I know how to change to like texting or email or, God help us, phone calls? And then how do I make the suggestion that we've been talking like this? How do we do the thing where we're gonna meet in person? So I just kind of focused on my profile and I spent some time on it. And I finished it and I thought it was pretty good. And then it wasn't until a long time later that I realized that I was an idiot because the pictures on my profile were basically me wearing cargo shorts and there might've been one of me wearing Crocs. And then the books I listed were books that I had read, but that was way back in graduate school, and I listed them because I figured that I was going to you know, impress somebody. But I ignored all that, and I said to myself, hey self, you're doing a good job. You're putting yourself out there. So I went out on some dates, and I realized that the dates, they're like these really intense job interviews, but with wine, you know? <laughs> and one woman, she said to me, I've had a really nice time tonight, but um, I have three other dates scheduled, so I'm going to have to get back to you after I see how those go, but we'll be in touch. (laughs) And she was never in touch. And then then I had a date, and and the date showed up with a flat tire on her car, and the whole date was me changing her tire, but she tipped me $5, so I figured that was kind of a win. And then I had a date with a woman, and, and we were talking, and then my friend's name came up, and her eyes lit up, and, and she leaned forward, and she kind of put her hand on my thigh, and she said, oh, you know pea Lover? My friend's favorite bird was the Plover, which is spelled p Lover, and this time, I declined the offer of a second date. And I realized I wasn't really getting out of this what I wanted. And it was I think it was because I, I, my profile wasn't really true to myself, and because of that, I wasn't being truthful, and I couldn't be truthful to the women that I was dating or trying to date. And you know, I work at a high school, and we tell the kids all the time, like, don't worry about what other people think about you, which is total hogwash when it comes to online dating because that's really the only thing that counts. But I said, you know what? I have to put my money where my mouth is. I have to take my own advice. So I changed my profile. I took away the safety net. Did it work? Well, I want to share with you two entries that I looked up from my journal from around that time. The first is from October 22nd, 2017. And I wrote, Kate texted me this morning, and she said, quote, I've never had so much fun kissing someone as I did last night. On October 31st, I wrote, I woke up today feeling happy. It's been a trend lately. I think it's because of Kate. I don't know if I'm in love yet, but I think I'm getting close. On Kate's first date with me, she showed up with her dog, Dodger. I showed up with these blue boat shoes that I thought looked stylish, but that was because the guy in Deals and Steals told me they looked good on me, and I think he might have been punking me. But I left that date and I realized two things. The first was, that was a really great first date. And the second thing was, I have to pray to the heavens that I'm gonna get a second date with her. And I did. And on the second date, she told me she loved Pearl Jam. On our fifth date, we played bar trivia and she told me she liked my nerdy side. On our 40th through 50th dates, we went to Rome and saw Pearl Jam play there. And then last August, we got engaged at the Jersey Shore. So I'm here to tell you that there's hope. You can find your love out there. You can find the person that you're destined to fall off the tightrope with. My name is Andrew, and I'm an online dating survivor. Thank you.
0: All the feels there, am I right? Andrew has told stories at The Moth and on Stories from the Stage, a storytelling show produced by our friends at GBH in Boston. That's our show for you today, and you guys, it's our last for the season. We've had a blast making Valley Voices Radio. I hope you'll keep in touch. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts or join our Facebook group, Valley Storytelling Community, or even send us a note at valleyvoices at nepm.org and we'll add you to our mailing list. Next week at noon, you can hear the New Yorker Radio Hour, a mix of profiles, conversations, and storytelling too. Valley Voices Story Slam is produced by New England Public Media and the Academy of Music. This show is produced by Katie Wright. Hey, Katie, any good dating stories to share? Um, you know, I would, but I think he might be listening, so <laughs> I might have to save that for season
1: eight. Hey, thanks so much to the Buddy McGurns Band for lending us their great song Love Disease for our theme for Valley Voices Radio. Follow him on Instagram
0: and come out and see the Buddy McGurns Band live at Theodore's downtown springfield friday september 23rd and remember if you have a dating nightmare or missed connection spill it in the comments on our facebook group everyone's got a story to tell i'm vanessa cirillo and this is valley voices radio